0: Are you ready to learn about great sleep?
1: I'm more than ready.
0: Wow. You have a lot of energy today.
1: It's because I've been sleeping so well. The sleep experts at Mattress Firm match us with the
0: right mattress. And the perfect pillows. They knew everything about sleep and which mattress and bedding accessories would help with hot sleep and back pain. You
1: sound like a changed person.
0: I am. Plus, we have 120 nights to make sure we love it.
1: And all we have to do was visit our local Mattress Firm store and their sleep experts help with the rest.
2: The Alaska Peninsula is one of the densest populations of bears in the world. I've spent a lot of time there, you know, thousands of days out there over the years and many, many nights as well. On one particular shoot we did for the BBC, we were sleeping out there for probably four months, over four months in total in tents in the middle of bear country, 1,000-pound carnivores, and you unzip your tent in the morning and there could be two, three, or four bears in view. There's a lot of precautions you can take, like practical considerations. And then you just got to remember the bears really aren't looking for trouble.
3: Chris Morgan travels to remote corners of the planet to film animals in the wild. He gave us a glimpse into what it's like to sleep during these expeditions and the hypervigilance that it takes to capture a -a one-of-a-kind shot of an animal
2: with its own unique sleep schedule. I was camping alone on this this one particular little beach, but I was having a lie-in one day, and uh, at 5.15 in the morning, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I hear this- (laughs) Sleeping Mm -hmm. late. Yeah, yeah, but I hear this outside the tent, and it was a wolf. So I was, my alarm clock was a wolf at 5.15 in the morning. Usually I'd be getting up about 4.30, for some reason I didn't. And this wolf woke me up, wow. I'm my like, oh, it was mind blowing. But I packed up my tent that day, I had to move sites. And as I turned back to look at the site, to sort of bid farewell to this beautiful spot in the trees on this little beach, this cove, the wolf came out, it was amazing. I didn't expect to see one of these elusive creatures. And, but yeah, yeah, there he was keeping me on the, on the, on the wolf sleep pattern, you know, <laughs> time to yeah. get up, you know. You might think that an ecologist and filmmaker with a
3: passion for sharing nature's hidden splendors would be immune to the effects of long-term, uncomfortable sleeping arrangements as a condition of his job. But as he'll tell us,
2: that hasn't necessarily been Chris's experience. It's funny because I'm a big fan of sleep. So so it didn't necessarily make the most sense, you know, to go into this line of work.
3: So how exactly and when do wildlife documentarians sleep while they're out on assignment? And how do they balance getting enough sleep with capturing the perfect footage at just the right moment? We'll go behind the scenes in this episode, Sleep in the Wild. Hi. I'm Anahat O'Connor, and this is Chasing Sleep, an iHeart Radio production in partnership with mattress firm. Nature documentaries are incredibly popular. They're an immersive, easily accessible kind of escapism, and given the rate of habitat loss, there's never been a more important time to spread awareness. Chris Morgan has hosted and narrated Emmy award-winning TV productions, and he's the co-founder of Wildlife Media. It's a nonprofit that produced Bear Trek, a documentary that follows Chris's journey by motorcycle to some of the most incredible places on earth, places like Alaska, Peru, the Canadian North, and Borneo. But for someone who values a good night's rest, Chris spends a lot of time sleeping on the ground under the stars. On a recent assignment, Chris joined renowned Korean photographer and naturalist Soo Young Park in the northeastern forests of Russia to capture images of the elusive and beautiful Siberian tiger. The Siberian tiger is one of the rarest animals on the planet. Just 400 are estimated to live in the wild, all of them hidden within this incredibly remote frozen landscape. Park spent five years filming for months at a time in negative 22 degree weather. Chris observed the stamina and sleep process required for this remarkable feat firsthand as Park recreated his
2: experience for the PBS documentary Siberian Tiger Quest. We've lost about 97% of tigers around the world just in the last 100 years. Wow. Wherever they are, they're special. And these ones are particularly special because they're out there on their own in this little corner of, of Russia in an area about the same size as Washington State. The
3: physical and emotional effects of around-the-clock work schedule and hostile environments can really take its toll. And hiding in plain sight from one of the planet's most lethal predators
2: is no easy feat, as Chris learned from Park. He had a four by six hole in the ground that was his hide, a tiny little space that you couldn't stand up and you could just about sit up straight in. And in the first year that he was there, he spent seven months in that hole in the ground. And it was his hide waiting to film and see and capture on film for the first time, Siberian tigers, no one had done it before. But then he, he goes on to say that he, he was doing this in the winter months, which is the best time to see the tigers there. At one point I say, well, and how long was it till you saw your first tiger? And uh, he said, "Oh, uh, two or three months. I just learned so much from the guy. He must have had some on off switch where he could sleep at a moment's notice and be able to just wait out the hours until a cat showed up. and. He has insane stories of one, more than one, getting onto the roof of his hide at one point. One of them swiped past his his camera on his hand and he had some really up-close, intense experiences with him.
3: Well, you have to be tough as nails to camp out perfectly still in this little hide for five months at a time.
2: So how did he sleep in there? He didn't get much sleep, but he had plenty of warm sleeping bags and enough to get him through the winters, you know. And But, of course, no fire, because he didn't want to give his scent away or the smell of anything sort of human-like. Right. He'd be able to stretch out there, you know. It was about six feet long, this hole in the ground, so he could stretch out straight, you know, and take naps. Mm. He sort of talked me through the process of this and, and left me to it. I built a platform in the woods where I could try and sort of recreate a little bit what he did and how he did it Mm. i don't know how he pulled it off you know but the proof is in his footage i think
3: at one point you said that uh, your mustache felt like it was freezing and when you were sleeping out there on that platform in the middle of the night you had to wake up because it was so cold and and i think you said put on warmer clothes what is it like uh, you know for you sleeping out there in, (laughs) in the dead of night
2: in siberia and do you have to do anything to be able to sleep out there I think the most important thing is making sure you've got enough layers so you can add them and lose them as you need to. But I ended up wearing everything I'd got because it was damn cold, you know. So just a really good down sleeping bag, a really good thermal uh, mattress, you know, just at least a couple of inches uh, thick that keeps you off the ground, or in this case, keeps you off this wooden platform that I'd built in the forest. I had a tent around me as well to keep off some of the cold, but there's not much you can do much more than that, other than just making sure that you wear and really good thermals, you know, when it comes down to it. It is, it is like uh, really good wool thermals. There's nothing better than a sheep to keep you warm at night. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) You know, they've learned over thousands of years how to stay warm. I also use those chemical hand warmers a lot. I actually get really Mm. quite bad circulation, so that often wakes me up, you know, my fingers or toes are cold. So just having those chemical hand warmers handy is really good. And you keep all your clothes on, and you're ready for action to jump out of a tent or a sleeping bag at any moment if something happens to film or watch or record.
3: Round-the-clock vigilance, disrupted sleep routines, and less-than-ideal conditions create a world of challenges for professionals like Chris. Dr. Jade Wu is a board-certified sleep medicine specialist and a researcher at Duke University School of Medicine. And Chris's story reminds her of another population.
4: What this reminds me of is actually people with a military background. Because when people are deployed, for example, they really do need to be up at a moment's notice. It can be any time of night or day. You know, there's not much preparation for it, not much advance notice, if any, at all. And the pattern that I see when they get home, when they're living a civilian life now, is that they're more on high alert. So even when they intellectually know that all is safe and they're not on duty, they don't have to do anything at night, their body is still wired to be more on high alert, more easily woken up. And I think this is probably similar for Chris because he's also used to having to just pop up into consciousness and be ready to function right away. So yeah, I can see how it would be more difficult to sleep long stretches more difficult maybe to relax into deep sleep and maybe more easily woken by small noises or lights.
3: While Chris has a lot of experience filming at night in a state of hypervigilance, his heightened awareness of his surroundings and dedication to the wildlife that he's there to research has a big advantage when it comes to establishing a sleep pattern that won't compromise the shoot. One of the things I've noticed from a lot of your, your films and your shows is you you do a lot of work at night. Are you naturally a night
2: owl? Is that sort of a prerequisite for the job? I am a bit more of a night owl. I'm not an early morning guy, but I have found that I, which sounds weird, doesn't it, for a wildlife guy, but I've found that I'm able to adjust quite well, and especially on longer Trips into the wilderness where I kind of get a chance to uh, just start to flow with the rhythms of nature, mm-hmm. and, and the rhythms of nature are what the animals, the wild animals that we are there to see, research, study, film, record, whatever it would be. They're, they're of course tuned into that rhythm of nature really well because of their thousands of years of uninterrupted history with that natural circadian rhythm, right, of sleep cycles. Mm. Whereas we've lost touch with it, you know, with alarm clocks and TV till late at night, and and you know changing our clocks and all kinds of disruptions to that natural cycle, but these wild creatures do it well. And I've noticed that I can kind of switch. If I'm given enough days, I can kind of switch into the same rhythm as the animals that we're there looking for.
3: We'll be right back after a brief message from our partners at Mattress Firm.
0: all just so fascinating. I feel like I'm on my way to becoming an expert in sleep. You're going to need to know a lot
1: more for that. The sleep experts at Mattress Firm have over 200 hours of training.
0: What? I didn't know that. No wonder it was so easy for them to help us find the perfect mattress and bedding accessories.
1: And so quick.
0: That too. I've never
1: been matched like this before. It's
0: perfect. They knew everything about sleep and which mattress and bedding accessories would help with hot sleep And back pain.
1: Now we get to try our new mattress out for 120 nights to make sure we love it.
0: I could spoon you. You could spoon me. Our five-year-old could sleep in the bed. Our two-year-old could sleep in the bed. We could try out lots of different ways just to make sure that we love it.
1: And Mattress Firm carries high-quality mattresses for every price point.
0: I have already been getting the best rest, honey.
1: And if we have any questions, we can visit our local Mattress Firm store or find 24-7 help online at mattressfirm.com.
0: And their sleep experts will help with the rest.
3: And now back to Chasing Sleep If you think about your own bedtime routine Maybe brushing your teeth at a sink in a bathroom Adjusting the temperature in your bedroom Or putting on pajamas You're giving your brain cues that it's time to go to sleep Dr. Wu says that ideally You'd create as much separation as possible Between your waking life and sleeping life For your best chance at a good night's rest But what about someone like Chris, who's been living with a heightened state of awareness of his surroundings and all kinds of disruptions to sleep for weeks or months at a time, and can't give his brain those traditional signals?
4: When he's out on a project and, you know, he can't have home mode and these relaxing sort of cues for the body, I would say really using napping strategically is good Funny Dr. Wu should mention that,
2: as Chris did mention his non traditional method for napping. Once you've been really focused on your target, it can get mentally and physically really exhausting. And if you're out there long enough, you're able to figure out when the animals are active and when they're not. And when they're not, you can take a nap. So I've got really good at taking literally sometimes a two-minute nap. I can put my head down in certain situations out in the middle of nowhere and and be asleep in 60 seconds. Take a two or three-minute nap, you know, 15 minutes if you're really lucky. I've learned to do that, and um, I've learned different positions. I heard the military has this as well. You know, uh, guys in the military are taught if they sleep on their backs with their knees bent in their calves, up on a chair, apparently having that blood drain from your legs into your core is good for sleep. So I try to do that, put my feet up, take a nap, get a quick power kip in whenever I can, especially if it's like between action. And it really works. Yeah.
4: I think that's a really good strategy for when you can't get more than two minutes at a time. Hey, two minutes is better than nothing. Right. So absolutely, I support that. As a uh, parent just coming out of the haze of newborn life, I can absolutely say two minutes will do something for you. It'll refresh you. It'll give you your body a little bit of a refresh. It's certainly not enough. To only sleep in these little chunks throughout the day, we do need to come back down to earth and really replenish our body with deeper, longer, more restorative sleep. But, you know, when you're in action mode, you know, if that's what you can get, that's what you can get.
3: So are there any advantages to these conditions? I mean, I have my memory foam mattress, my white noise machine, my fan cooling bamboo sheets to help me get my quality sleep. So... Why is it that someone lying on a frozen platform or in a hole in the ground could still sleep well?
4: I think, you know, even with a difficult sleep schedule when he's out there, one major advantage that he has is that he is living by the sun and the moon. Right? So he has a much stronger circadian system probably than you or I do because we work indoors, we work in an office, um, and we have to be conscious to make sure we have enough light exposure during the day and not too much screens and you know light at night to maintain this day-night contrast. Whereas he just gets that in spades. He's out in the sun all day. He's, you know, at the very least getting natural broad spectrum sunlight all day long. And then at night he has maybe his campfire, uh, maybe some devices, but probably not as much as the average person. So, you know, in this way, no wonder he is able to function so well, even with disrupted sleep, is that, you know, his circadian rhythm is at least really, really solid. And so whatever sleep he is getting is really good quality sleep,
2: you definitely sort of get into this process of going to sleep when it's dark and then waking up when it's light. And it's exactly what the animals are doing. You just sort of start adapting to that. And, and there's no reason to stay awake at night at camp in the wilderness after dark. There's nothing to see, do, what You know, you might as well just sleep and you're bloody exhausted anyway. So it depends what time of year, though. You know, in Alaska, up north, a, it's, it's perpetual daylight a lot of the time. And that a whole different subject of like, wow, what do you do then?
4: For Chris or for anybody else that does a lot of traveling or sleeping in unfamiliar or not perfect environments, if you can have like one object that's kind of your like comfy, reliable, lucky sleep hat or lucky sleep eye mask or lucky sleep blanket, then you have something familiar to cue that sleepiness, that ritual of falling asleep, whether you're in the jungles or, you know, in a hotel room or wherever.
2: You've got to have these routines while you're out there, you know, breakfast is at this time, lunch is at this time, unless something gets in the way of it. And then your evening ritual as well. Mm. I just love, you know, when I'm in that mode and I'm up at five o'clock in the morning and watching the sun come up and you know that the world, the natural world is coming alive as well. And you know, whether it's wolves or bears or tigers, whatever, you know, they're doing the same thing, you know, <laughs> they're in their day beds or <laughs> in their dens and, and they're stretching and slowly waking up and you're doing the same thing and you fire up that stove and you hear the boiling water and you see the steam in the early morning mm. and, and you pour your cup of cu- I can hear it and smell it now, you know, just talking about it. And it's just, <laughs> you kick back and you're like, this is the start of my day. It's like, I don't know. It's like the best possible coffee commercial you could imagine when you're out in nature doing it. And I just love that part of the day.
3: Uh, So even when you're out there, you know, in the middle of, you know, Siberia or, or, you know, the jungle or wherever it is, there's still structure and routine involved in your, your daily
2: schedule, it sounds like. Yes, it does depend for the longer shoots, definitely. If you're out there for weeks or months, you've got to have that routine, I think. But then always be ready for something to completely disrupt it and and get in the way of it. And it's usually an animal, you know? You've got to be ready to jump up at the first instant, you know, without a moment's notice with with gear and the wherewithal to get into the right spot. If someone's spotted an animal or if we know that something's happening or you hear something. So it's kind of that blend of like having a, a routine, but be ready to break it at a moment's notice.
3: What would you recommend, generally speaking, are are some good things to add for an adult to a wind down routine um, and things that maybe like that you can do on the road. So for someone like Chris, who's out there in the wild.
4: If you're Chris, you're out there in the wilderness, you can do a body scan, which you can also do at home, which is where you just walk your attention through your body from head to toe or from toe to head. And, you know, without judgment and without trying to change anything. So even if you have... Uh, pain or discomfort or something like that Um, just very non-judgmentally ask your body how does it feel you know, like, hey, little toe on my left foot, how do you feel? Haven't talked to you all day. And, you know, moving to the other toes and to your feet, to your ankles and slowly and gradually up. And often my patients will say, you know, I did the body scan. And by the time I didn't, you know, I'd never even made it up to my shoulders and I was asleep on the couch. Wow. So whatever you can do to signal that switch, I think would be really helpful to have in the bedtime routine.
2: Sleep never feels so good after a trip like that. It's funny, I love, I love traveling and I love being out in wild places and I feel lucky and privileged to be there and experience them. It's my life, you know, I love these places deeply. So I put my all into it when I'm there. And then when I get back, oh my God, it just feels so luxuriant to have a bed and to have curtains that you can close and to need an alarm clock to wake up and it's like I just kind of hit the sack and don't want to get out of it for a few days once I'm back and it's a really nice feeling because you feel like okay this is justified
3: That's all for this episode Join me again next week when we learn about sleeping in The Final Frontier how astronauts get the rest they need while working in conditions no human was made to be in
1: So imagine being so excited to be in space for the first time looking at the earth floating, you know, we're in this weird environment, feeling a little weird and four hours after launching into space for my first time, I had to go to sleep.
3: We want to hear from you. Leave a rating or review for our show on your podcast player of choice. You can find me on Twitter at Anahat O'Connor until next time, hoping you're living your best while sleeping your best chasing sleep, is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with Mattress Firm. Our executive producer is Molly Sosha. Our EP of Post is James Foster. Our supervising producer is Kia Swinton. Our producer is Sierra Kaiser. This episode was written and researched by Eric Leija and Jess Capadia. This show is hosted by me, Anahad O'Connor.